This is SG2 Perspectives, a conversation with SG2 experts and industry thought leaders about the biggest trends in healthcare and what we expect that's going to mean for the future of healthcare delivery. There are absolutely some themes that have emerged over the last eight months that are very interesting for the boards. They want to hear about disruptors. They want to hear about innovation. They want to hear about technology advancements, especially related to AI and machine learning and how that will implicate the health system's care design strategies. Hi, and welcome to SG2 Perspectives. I'm your host, Trevor Duran. On this episode, I asked two of the leaders from the SG2 intelligence team who spend a lot of time, particularly every fall, with health system boards. I wanted them to join and answer the questions, what are boards thinking about, focused on, what are they asking for help with right now? Jennifer O'Connor and Jeff Mosier are two names that most SG2 members will recognize, both as leaders of so much of our research and because they spend so much time with our members' leadership teams and boards. Jennifer and Jeff, thank you so much for being here to share your experience today. Jennifer, I'll go to you first. SG2 sort of took last fall off from engaging with boards in the way that we traditionally do. How did the pattern of how our members, health systems, leadership teams, and strategy teams engage with the board change over the last couple of years? Now, it certainly doesn't feel normal, but at least for us, we're back engaging with them. They're thinking a little bit bigger picture about growth and future planning, et cetera. How the internal workings change? It's been interesting the last 18 months. Yes, the board cadence changed a little bit. They spent more time involved in command center updates, much more operational and hands-on than they've probably been in the past. There was a period where that was the sole focus. Last spring, things started to feel a little bit more normal. There were board retreats as opposed to board updates. They weren't in person. They were more likely to be two hours versus all day. But we were back working with the board and helping them help the executive team think a little bit longer term. So instead of week to week, feels like maybe we're back to quarter by quarter with an ability to at least look ahead for the next year and have some meaningful conversation about what might happen and what could be different. The long-term horizon, the comfort level with that, it's pretty short. As I've been talking with boards this year, they are interested in making sure the organization is stable We are talking about the organization being a going concern, but we're talking about the next one to two years, not nearly as many 10-year conversations anymore. That's what I'm hearing as well, Trevor. There is a little bit of a hesitancy to even introduce the idea of a board retreat that is an off-site meeting where they spend the day because the optics just are poor. They especially related to the workforce issues and the burnout and the staff feedback that they're receiving and the community. They're just being very practical and pragmatic about how they're going forward. The number of board retreats shifted back to virtual even just over the last few weeks. We're still in a little bit of a holding pattern and we may not return back to normal. So Jeff, I'm gonna come back to you with this next question. So I cover topics like Medicare Advantage, primary care strategy, rural health specific strategies. Those are the conversations that I've been having with boards. You cover a broader range of topics. What are the themes, priorities, topics that boards want to get educated by us about right now? There are absolutely some themes that have emerged over the last eight months that are very interesting for the boards. They want to hear about disruptors. 
They want to hear about innovation. They want to hear about technology advancements, especially related to AI and machine learning and how that will implicate the health system's care design strategies. If you unpack everything and you just prioritize what is on the mind of the boards right now, it is workforce. How are we dealing with it? The great thing for the CEO of the hospital that the board can drive is creative ideas because all of these are industry leaders. A lot of them wear a different hat. When they're not sitting in their board seat, they're managing a big company and they're experiencing the exact same challenges that the health systems are related to staffing, related to recruitment, retention, efforts. I've been in a couple just recently conversations where the CEO asked the board, what are you doing about it in your industry? Not that we have easy answers to these questions, but it's a really nice conversation to engage the board. Pull out your experience and as the leadership team of the health system, help us think through this, what could work, and we can apply it from different industries. It's a nice opportunity to cross-pollinate and solve for a large issue that's top of mind for everyone. The only other thing I'd add to the trends they want to be educated on is side of care shifts and what the strategy of the health system should be relative to their ASC or relative to an outpost urgent care center or whatever it happens to be. But thinking about as care is shifting, what is our strategy and do we have it right? Jennifer, you cover a number of those areas. I'm sure you're getting asked similar questions. Any other themes? At the risk of sounding like Lucy from Charlie Brown Christmas with her nickels, 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 I'm going to go workforce, workforce, workforce. Every single board conversation I've had in the last six months has included a request to discuss that topic. It is so front of mind impacting their day-to-day work when we are reducing services and closing beds, then that is a topic which is due to workforce, not COVID surge. And we've really been trying to help them understand that, yes, there are short-term solutions, levers that need to be pulled, and there are also long-term solutions that the organization needs to employ, and they really need a balance. That's the part of the leadership team and the board. How can they ensure the organization has a balance there? Workforce, top of the leaderboard. I would echo what Jeff said about innovation. Many of our organizations realized the power of agile innovation during surges over the last 18 months, and they've decided there is benefit there, and they want to get a little more organized or formalized around that. So we've been back talking about building an innovation competency in healthcare organizations and what that looks like. We used to teach a whole workshop around that. Those are fun discussions to have, but they are purposeful. We've seen the benefit of innovation. There's also been an interesting conversation around some differences in how we approach philanthropy, partly because we can't hold big galas anymore. A younger generation looks at philanthropy differently, and I hear many of our organizations with a more longitudinal approach, perhaps smaller dollar increments, less about finding that one donor to put their name on the building, but really building a groundswell of millennials who will both engage personally and volunteer time and treasure, and how we think about philanthropy differently, and obviously that's a purview of the board. Many of them are ready to talk about growth. It's important to the organization. The one interesting caveat, many times the leadership team and the board are ready to go and they ask us to come talk about growth. That's so central to what we do. And it's exciting to get back to those conversations. I was with an organization recently and the leadership team was revisiting their growth priorities and their head of HR said, this is an important conversation. I just have to make sure we're all clear 
that we have to be careful in the messaging here, not so much to the community, but to their internal team members. From a burnout resiliency perspective, people are still living through what has been a very difficult 18 months. The clinical staff are tired. And if we're not careful about the message around growth, hey, look ahead, go growth. That sounds harsh to folks who are still in the throes of the surge on the ICU unit. They did a pulse survey at this organization and asked employees who had said, yes, we know the CEO is out talking about growth. And no offense, we don't want to hear it. We're still in the middle of this and we need your help here. How do you balance what is clearly a business need for the organization? We've got to get back to growth. Taking a negative operating margin to the board, that's a tough conversation. The reality of where our workforce is means we're going to have to thread that needle pretty carefully. One more to add. It's a bit hit or miss, but the idea of health equity really has become a very hot topic for the health systems over the last 18 months. COVID exposed a lot of the inequity that is happening across the U.S. related to access to care in particular. The boards have heard that, they've caught on to that, and they're asking the questions around what are we doing? What's our position? How are we doing with it? Even to the extent of, is our board moving into diversity? And are we thinking about how we look to our community? So are we serving the community in a way that matches the demographics? Do we represent them well? Do we have a strategy around reducing healthcare inequity across the communities that we serve? It's different in the geographies. It seems not to be top of mind for some of the smaller independent hospitals that have a lot of challenges on their hands and aren't willing to tackle this yet, or they know they inherently just have to tackle it. So they're doing it indirectly versus being very prescriptive and very vocal about it. That can be a little bit political for the board. We expect those conversations to continue and to even accelerate in terms of the veracity over the coming year. I know a lot of the projects that we're getting asked to do is don't try to find us something new. Let's reevaluate some of the capital allocation decisions that we've already made and make sure that that still makes sense because our forecasts have changed a lot in the last couple of years. Are you hearing those conversations at the board level too? Absolutely, Trevor. Every single organization that I've been to this year had at least one big capital project that was in the works. Those got put on hold in quarter two of 2020. As I'm flipping through my mental Rolodex, all of them ended up getting the green light to go forward. But there was careful reconsideration across all of them. They were all facility projects. Some were things like a new tower. Some were more ambulatory. Those typically got green lighted quicker. But everything got a careful review given projected financial issues and disruption of volumes to say, is this really necessary? All of them were SG2 members and they had used the forecast to really underpin their reasoning for why this facility makes sense. Smart growth is built into the SG2 forecast. So perhaps that sample result is not surprising, but there was definitely a pause and several months of let's go back, let's rerun the numbers. Does this still make sense given what we know today? Lots more conversations, particularly for those inpatient facilities about how to make them very adaptable, whatever the space was because of what we've learned in the last 18 months. Definitely a pause, but still a green light. And so maybe we've already been very thoughtful about when we propose those very expensive capital projects. 
One of the things they ask us to provide some education on is the digital enterprise and it goes into the capital planning discussions. If they're revisiting something that was put on hold after they heard some education around the future of virtual care and then digital technology and patient engagement, is this new building sensitive to that? Is it going to accommodate for that? I've heard a little bit of challenge from the board saying, do we need this? They're scrutinizing it and they're saying, is it appropriate for the environment we're going to deliver healthcare in moving forward? And I think that's a really healthy conversation for the board. One thing that I've seen, and maybe this is anecdotal, but I think the boards have been super engaged virtually. I've gotten tons of questions from the people participating. In person, they're usually engaged too, but I have been impressed with how dialed in everyone is. They're keeping cameras on, asking great questions. They really want to know and learn and help their organizations. Do you feel like maybe this could be a boon for board engagement, at least in the short term? I think it's definitely a push to reconsider the cadence on the business of the board. And when I think back to the board sessions I've done this year, they have largely been virtual. They have been shorter in time frame. I can't help but wonder if that helps with our attention span. Instead of all day, we're asking for two hours. It doesn't require them to get on a plane. Increasingly, we have regional IDNs where board members are flying here and there to participate. And when we do that virtually, we don't have to. So I found those meetings very engaged, lots of good questions. Doesn't feel like we missed a lot in terms of virtual versus in-person, although they've been more educational type sessions, haven't had to do a prioritization session virtually yet, although one of our colleagues has. They were very thoughtful about how they created that, and it really did work well. That's the one spot, though, that I think would be the hardest when we've got to prioritize a list of things. Sometimes it's a little easier to wrangle those to the ground in person. I sit on a board uh, and I've had four board meetings and they've all been virtual and they've been wonderful. I really love the two hour, the hour and a half long meeting. It's efficient. It's well orchestrated. And there's a sense of alignment to what we're trying to accomplish in the conversation. So it is very much a structure that is a little bit looser when you're meeting in person. I'd love to get back together with my colleagues face to face. And hopefully that will happen soon. But they're still scheduled virtually for the upcoming future. You've been in front of a lot of boards, and inevitably, we've talked to them about opportunities, ideas that they've put in place. Many have been very successful. Some have been challenges. What's one specific memory where you know that your meeting had a big impact on that board or that organization? The one that comes to mind was one from this fall, one of my few sessions in person. It was a very heavy facilitation The group assembled was the board for a joint venture, which I think many of our health systems find themselves engaged in now. They are doing joint ventures with other healthcare companies or with local physicians. And we always talk about the importance of partnerships in healthcare at SG2. We have long advocated for that, saying you can't build your system of care and own it all. But the truth is those partnerships can be difficult to manage, just like any personal relationship. You don't always get along with your partner. This group had reached a point where several things needed to be aired. They had some big decisions ahead of them, and the board needed to know they were all in this together and they trusted each other. And because of some just poor communication, the pandemic had exacerbated that. They were no longer on the same page and there was just a real lack of trust. 
we had to get the group together for the usual updates that the board needs to hear. And there were some business and some basic things to vote on. The executive session was really a time to air some concerns and get them out in the open so that we could lay out a roadmap for those to be addressed. And that was really part of the reason we'd been asked to be there that day, partly for board education, like we often are, but also to facilitate that conversation and put them on a path towards success. As I think about things that are really impactful, I'm proud to say that we've checked in with them over the last two months and they are continuing the conversation and that's what they needed to do. There is lots of opportunity for them to be successful in their market. Pretty confident they will be and they've started to work through communication issues and some roles and responsibilities of board members. Who does what? Who makes decisions? How does that work collectively as a group? That sounds really basic, but when you get off track, you got to put it back together so that you can move forward together. And we were able to help them do that. What a thoughtful and positive impacting story. I have a quick one, but it was more about the process. They knew they had some big decisions coming and they were going to need the board's buy-in and input. And so they just gave each board member 10 chips and said, here's what each of these initiatives costs you in chips. Let's go around and debate and vote where we're going to put things. Make your choices individually, then we'll talk in small groups, et cetera. And it got them exactly where they wanted to go, which was realizing by doing this big technology spend, it limited other things they were going to be able to do and that they were going to have to be really selective with their other priorities. While in some ways it was super simple, great way to get people closer to consensus. So I thought it was really smart. One last question to you both. This is a tough one. Next fall, you get a call for an October board retreat. What do you think they're going to want to talk about? Getting out the crystal ball. I think for the next couple of months, we're going to get calls for board retreats that will continue to talk about labor and workforce. That's because they will need to send an operating margin to the board for approval for the upcoming fiscal year. We would expect there to be some tough conversations around slim margins or even negative margins, which is a tough one to have with the board. That naturally takes you to, if this is a one-year hit, how do we course correct? What does the growth trajectory look like in the next two to three years? Running some scenarios around that to help illuminate that. That's going to be a really common conversation, certainly in the first half of the year. As we get further into next year, we continue to have conversations around two areas that have been big in healthcare. One is consumers. As we think about growth and reigniting that growth engine, staying very in tune with consumers will stay top of mind. We'll continue to get questions about consumer preference. Just released our most recent consumerism survey and set of results around that. So I think that's going to be big. And I think there'll be continued questions around M&A. We saw some activity around small rural hospitals continuing to be challenged during COVID. We also saw plenty of big regional players looking to pursue scale. And we just put out a report around M&A activity across the system of care. It's going to continue all the way around. And as organizations look to their future, they do see scale in some form or fashion as a part of that. And we're going to need to be talking with boards about that as well. My opinion on it is putting the workforce issue to this side for a second and recognizing that there has been a level of goodwill established through the pandemic. Coming out of the pandemic, I think a conversation that the board will be wanting to have is, did we leverage that? 
did we pursue endeavors into population health and wellness? Have we started to manage and change the trajectory around chronic illness in the U.S.? And did we leverage our relationship with the community coming out of COVID effectively and take advantage of that? Let's be honest, there has been a lot of goodwill established and the health systems have a unique opportunity. And I hope the boards push the executive team to have conversations and take advantage of it. I expect by this time next year, boards are going to be pushing about reimbursement contracts and thinking about value. If we've just gone through another year of up and down volumes and another year of really tough financials, thinking about why are we as the healthcare providers, the ones struggling the most financially through this, we need to hopefully find a way to share that risk with payers and others. We know reimbursement is going to be under pressure anyway. Well, Jennifer and Jeff, thanks for sharing your experience, I would say, from the road, but it's a bit from the road. Maybe it'll be a bit more from the road going into next year. We all hope so. Thanks so much for sharing and look forward to having you back on SG2 Perspectives soon. Thanks so much for listening to SG2 Perspectives. As always, I really value your feedback, input, comments, or ideas for episodes, and you can reach us at sg2perspectives at sg2.com. Additionally, I recommend that you check out some of the other Vizient podcasts, which cover a range of clinical and operational areas. Those can all be found at vizientinc.com backslash podcasts. Mm-hmm.